Just a heads up, this episode deals with the topic of suicidal ideation. If that's not something you'd like to listen to, check out something else from our catalog. The National Suicide Hotline is always available at 1-800-273-8255. Let's get started right here, beginning to engage our breath. Taking a deep inhale through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. Couple more, deep inhale through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. One more time, deep inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Next few rounds, we're gonna take it in through the nose. And then exhale out yeah, I'm in a yoga studio. I'll be honest, up until a few weeks ago, I didn't think this was for guys like me. In fact, I've actively avoided it. Then I read this piece by Terrell Jermaine Starr in The Root called More Black Men Need to Breathe. He didn't think it was for him either. He'd actually never seen another black man doing yoga before. And I'm realizing there's a lot to unpack and how I totally dismissed this in the past. But first, I gotta do the work. As you exhale, lower your knees down first, bend your elbows, and then lower your chest all the way to touch the floor. Zip your legs together, press into your palms, inhale, lift the heart up, this is Cobra Pose. Exhale, lower your chest. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. On my way to the yoga studio earlier that day, I kept looking at my phone, praying for a text from Terrell telling me that he couldn't make it. I was hoping he'd bail. Instead, he texts me that I gotta hurry up and that class starts on time. If we're trying to get some exercise, why couldn't we have just met up at a gym or a basketball court? I kept thinking back to my imaginary list of activities that men are supposed to be doing, and yoga was not on that list. This is what Terrell is trying to change. He only started less than a year ago himself. So I began doing yoga in the fall of 2018 because once I learned through therapy to break down gender binaries, to appreciate that the concepts of masculinity that I learned were wrong. And, you know, once you realize things that you've been taught are wrong, it it really hurts you. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of disentangled all of that out of my own psyche, I was open for everything else. And so randomly, I went on Twitter and, Asked people where some black owned establishments mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. And I got some options and I went to a, a studio. Um, I started off with hot yoga. Now, just imagine what we were doing in that yoga studio, but it was like 80 degrees. Oh my God. Right. And so I did that for about three months before that studio closed and I went to Ann Yoga where we were. Yeah. But what I enjoyed about it was that the body movements. In my pre-hyper-masculine mind, I would think was feminine. Like, women do that. Men don't move their bodies in that way. And 
once I went in and and even then though I, I was like oh okay this doesn't feel right and I you know felt weird even though intellectually I knew that these gender binaries are are harmful mm-hmm. and they don't help you just physically I had to adjust and so the thing about yoga the more I did it the more comfortable I became with the movements and the freer I became. So it was a post hypermasculinity <laughs> step into becoming more in touch with my body because prior to that it was intellectual. Yeah. Now with the yoga, it's a physical dismantling yeah. of the masculinity, right? I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that because when we went together, that was like my first time going ever. And that's exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it started off easy, right? We were laying down on our backs. So it was like that it's little always easy on your back, <laughs> right? You're just kind of relaxing. You kind of your your mind goes to the beach, and that's it, right? And then she says, "Okay, now touch your toes, lean forward, stick your ass out." Like she 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 says, didn't say stick your ass. She out. says she something said, like stick your ass out. Oh, she, she probably she like, maybe she was like stick your hips in the air or something yeah, like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Or like uh, I think she was using the word pelvis or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Anyways. That's what I, that's what I, how I heard it. She's like, All right, stick your ass in the air, <laughs> lean forward, uh, put your leg on the inside. Of <laughs> like this. we're in prison check or something. It was it was really honestly like I've never put my body in those positions like you you said, mm-hmm. and so just just to just to put it all out there, I'd never done yoga before because I thought it was something that women do. My wife does yoga. And so I go to the gym. She goes to do yoga. Like, that's that's her version of going to the gym. Uh, I had a friend named Jessica who I grew up with. She was always trying to get people to do yoga. And we would make fun of her for it. That That's what all that, that's all that I was bringing into this. That was my energy. On my way there, I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm going to go. I got to go buy clothes because I don't even own anything that's stretchy. I usually just rock, like, jeans or something. Like, it's, like, a little bit fancier. So I didn't even have the wardrobe for it. So I show up. I'm like, yo, I got to change real quick. <laughs> Got to change into like these these stretchy pants that I just bought, and the first thing that we do is stick our asses in the air, and I'm like, oh no, this is exact. I was right, I was right, and then and then something magical happens. We we do like that cradle position where you like you stick your 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 arms around your legs and you rock back and forth, mm-hmm. and I, I always had like this crank that's like right behind my shoulder that was starting to like get rolled away, and I was like, I'm giving myself a massage right now. This is nice. And then after that, we started, like, uh, stretching our, our, our legs apart and, like, really stretching out our bodies in ways that I haven't done that before. And I was like, this is, this is useful. Any intention that you'd like to set for this practice today? Any way that you'd like to close out your evening? Maybe something from this day that you no longer desire to carry with you. Bring that thought to the center of your mind. But then what surprised me towards the end was that I felt something happening in my mind. Like in the back of my mind, I felt like a bubbly sensation where it felt like something was being lifted away. Like in the way that my muscles were being stretched and and, and kind of flattened, something similar like that was happening in my mind too. Mm -hmm. And it it wouldn't happen until after I left. So... uh, so describe to me that first sensation, the first time you actually put yourself in that. Oh, that so the first time. And I'm going to call it a pretzel because you kind of make like a pretzel shape, the one that I'm talking about. The one which, it's, it's like the happy, happy baby. To describe what the happy baby is, you're yeah. on your back 
and you basically put your you you clasp your, the soles of your feet and you whiten your thighs out as far as you can mm-hmm. and you just kind of rock side to side that's that's the movement and the purpose of that is for you to literally experience the joy of a child because children are carefree they have no worries in the world and the whole point at the beginning of lying on your back is to phase out everything else that you brought in and you're supposed to leave it at the door because you are not thinking about society you're not judging yourself you are truly embracing the spirit of who you are and what you should be which is which which is joy without without society's impressions without or yours okay that's the thing or yours like you're trained to that's the movement because children naturally do that and as we grow into adults and when we start thinking about adult decisions and (laughs) you start thinking that oh i can't do this because this is not what adults do we're supposed to not really enjoy ourselves but when i first went to yoga it was hard the first thing that you become in tune with is your body and so my hips still hurt man (laughs) i'm not listen i'm not surprised because you're not because it's really about you it's flexors like i realized my core was not as strong as it could be because people can actually injure themselves doing yoga People don't think people think it's safe, and it's really. I would have laughed at you if I didn't do that first session with you. <laughs> I would have been like, "What? How?" But now that I've actually seen it, I'm like, "Wait, yeah, your leg's supposed to go where?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the flexibility, and you yeah. do it, you learn it over time. And what's really good about this particular studio we went to is that you got specialized attention. Had this been the other studio that I went to, it would have been like a mess. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as intimate as that experience that, yeah. that all of us had. That was all men, by the way, which is the first time ever. Interesting. Interesting. Um, let's talk about that for a second. Sure. Okay, so there, the stigma exists. We can we can acknowledge that, right? The, um, the, the way that people are exposed to yoga without actually trying it, you know, in movies, in media... In commercials, it's typically just like a room full of girls all doing yoga. Typically, white women with like a white woman instructor, right? It's ours is black. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and it's black owned. Hell yeah, in Brooklyn. <laughs> in Brooklyn, in Bed Stuy. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the the impression that I had, not because like I decided to see it that way, but just because that's what my exposure was. That's what I thought. Yeah, and, and like rom-coms, you know, there's yeah. that typical scene where like the dudes will go take a yoga class as a joke to go and like pick up women, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and, and it's like, it's stupid. Like it's, it's straight up like dumb comedy, but it, that's what honestly it influenced me in that way. You know, when we were talking originally and you were like, yo, come to the yoga studio, my expectation was what I saw previously. It was going to be a room full of white women and like you and me in the back, you know, that's not what we experience at all. And I think just that, <laughs> you know, you walk in and it's all guys. And for some reason, it made me more comfortable knowing that already off the bat, whatever I thought about yoga was wrong. So it allowed me to walk into the space fresh and be like, you know what, Eamon, you're already wrong this far. What else are you wrong about? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that people always ask me is, 
man, the women are hot, aren't they? And my response is, if you're really there doing what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. like if you're really into your practice and trying to get to the movements, like you really don't have time. Like you really have to concentrate and you really have to focus. So I don't know who the guys are. I mean, if they're if they're looking at women all the time, I just don't see how they're getting the most out of it because when you're in a studio that's as intimate as ours is, mm-hmm. um, you really can't. But even if I went, when I went to the larger one, yeah. like I just didn't do that because I was just there to maintain, and it was challenging. Like I, my, my, I was just it's I was, hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. not if you do if you're really trying to do it. It's not easy. Yoga is super hard. And I think that was actually why it felt so rewarding for me. It got me thinking about why I refused to go in the first place. And I think that relates to something basic about the men that I grew up around. One thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. is uh, this idea of like self-help, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my dad was a very hard worker. He immigrated to this country in the 70s. From where? From Egypt. And then came to, to New York and went to, uh, went to live in Astoria, Queens. Mm-hmm where he was like sharing a room with all these other like seven other dudes that were immigrants and he was busting his ass so me as his son watching him work that hard and never once asking about like his own mental health never once sharing his personal feelings kind of staying quiet about everything everything if i ask him how is he he'll he'll respond the same way that he does today alhamdulillah just thanks to god that's it mm. and that's it uh and i'll be like so how's work alhamdulillah nothing else i can't get any words out of this guy and, and i honestly think it comes back to uh the way he sees help he doesn't he doesn't even think about helping himself at mm. all and i see that and i think about the kind of man that he is and the kind of man that i should be or want to be mm-hmm. and just the image of a, of a man that takes care of themselves was never introduced to me anywhere. Mm-hmm. So all these mental blocks that I had that almost felt like were like yoga helped peel it away. Like for example, massages. Mm-hmm. I'm not the type of dude to ask to get a massage. And I feel like I got that from my dad cuz my dad he he's a very he works a very physical job. He's like uh, he's a tow truck driver. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, "Yo, Amen, my back hurts. Could you come punch it for me?" And then this is this uh, this happens. I so remember this <laughs> as a kid. Listen, the more you talk about the praise to Allah, this sounds like the typical Black American yeah. type of experience. Like we do the same stuff. Uh, it, yeah, our, my uncles. I, damn, you're just <laughs> damn. Yeah. Oh man, and I would I, I would just like swing into his back, and he would just be like harder, and I punch him harder, and he'd be like harder. I keep punching him into his back. And I'm thinking, like, I must be hurting this guy. I'm, like, throwing my weight into these punches. And you actually are. He just, like, in his in his macho kind of male mind, yeah. in our minds, he thinks that's the way that men are supposed to be cared for. And it's totally not. Yeah. So, but you just brought up a memory in me. Like, I so did that. I can't remember. I can't, I'm trying to remember who it was. But, yeah, guys back in the block. It like punch. It wasn't a whole thing because you know another man can't do this. Yeah, Got punch yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> and they'd be like, ah, feels good. Feels good. <laughs> no, it don't. <laughs> but that's like the that's the extent of the self care that we used to do for each other. And that was it. And then punch we'd be like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but that was the thing, right? Like, 
after after having that pain in my back. And I woke up the next day and I was a little sore, but I felt good. I felt better. And that was after one yoga session. And I, I couldn't forgive myself for allowing like that stigma to keep me from trying it. Because it's not like I didn't have that friend always inviting me to go do yoga with her. Listen, we have friends that invite us to do a wide range of things, right? And then we just find a convenient way to say no because our egos tell us not to. One of the best benefits of it is that it has allowed me to free my mind of thing beliefs that I formerly had, like particularly when it comes to like LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Like because another thing about yoga, you would think that either it's for women or it's for quote unquote gay people. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so for me, like I kind of got over my kind of homophobic th- issues when I was like in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. Even though intellectually you know that it's wrong mm-hmm. to say, oh, this is so gay, or whatever, but your body Again, what yoga does, like, it challenges that, right? Because even though intellectually you're no longer there, physically it's there. And so physically I had to go over it. Kind of like you said, that that first time when you're like, okay, this is kind of feminine, whatever. In my mind, it's feminine. It's gay, Mm -hmm. you know. And, And so I had to check myself. And had to once I went through the movements, like I'll just free as a bird. I feel better as a person. Yeah. I feel free and I'm happier than I've ever been because I don't judge myself and I don't allow the mm. judgment of society's screwed up beliefs of what gender is and what identity is to influence me. And so the my the people around me are gonna benefit because when I go to work, um, they're gonna have a free, mm. kind of loving and caring spirit that embraces everything and everyone as they are and and i think self-care is a conversation in which we really have to we have to condition ourselves to love ourselves Mm -hmm. and loving ourselves means means that we must break free of any binary and that and if in, in one of those ways i've broken free that has helped me has been through yoga which is why I go four to five times per week I felt that same sensation of freedom in my body too it was as if pushing my leg past its normal threshold changed my idea of what my leg was supposed to do it did some work on my mental state still the hardest part for me was walking in had I not been invited by Terrell I don't know if I ever would for him taking that first step was a process that took almost two years my journey didn't start with yoga. That started in the fall of 2018. The concept of self-help, what that meant for me, began when I was about 33, 34 years old when I started therapy for suicidal ideation. Going to a therapist, sitting down, talking to people about your problems was not even something that I grew up conceiving because people never talked about their problems. People dealt with their problems. They drank through their problems. They abused drugs through their problems. They abused other people through their problems. They never dealt with themselves. And we are not conditioned to do that. I believe that when I was at the brink of killing myself, I was, yeah, 34 years old, and I... 
I was at work and I don't know what the clinical term is of breakdown or whatever, but I just felt like I mentally collapsed. But basically what that looks like for people who are listening, uh, this collapse, this mental collapse began over a series of months when I was planning out my death. And I basically was a week away from doing it. And for some reason, I reached out to a friend and I told her what I was going to do. And she immediately embraced me and helped me to find someone to speak with. And that was a two-year journey that included medication uh, that all stemmed from unresolved childhood trauma that dealt with violence that I personally experienced that I witnessed in my house with my uncle selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And that was stuff that I held inside that was so combustible that it led me to that, you know, to, to the point where I wanted to die because it was unresolved. I never spoke about it with anybody. And so the step to that self-help, man, it was one where I was intellectually, I knew I needed to do it. Yeah. But my quote unquote ego, my manhood that, that, that told me that, you know, you weak. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like handle it. And I couldn't. And so my therapist knew she knew all that, so she was very patient with me. So that's wow. that's kind of a summary of everything. Wow. I'm trying not to get too emotional right now, but, like, that's... Well, you know, part of this whole thing, man, we're having conversations yeah. about our vulnerabilities. Listen, I am learning how to shed tears, and I was that was one thing I learned not to do. Um, Same. That's I, why I'm, like, yeah, I, I'll never, I would never... But, see, it's a lifetime of learning, man. Um, I'll never forget. Uh, I was a kid. I had to be about 11, 12 years old. There's a, the thing about in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. the violence was very pronounced. And so you got 11, 12 year olds younger have packing heat. And during a summer program, I was playing basketball. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just in the gym playing basketball. And this kid, his name was Sharon, he, you know, it was like a, he was like a big bully. Like he was a bully, even though he was smaller, but he was a part of a gang called Eight, which is 28, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I accidentally hit him with the ball and he came and he smacked me really hard. And I didn't do it. Like I could have fought him back, but I didn't because he's in a gang. Yeah. And, they're in the, and that gang like was known to hurt and kill people. I went home crying to my, my mother and said, I don't want to go back there anymore. And she gave me the like stone cold look. And I said, they're bullying me. And she said, stop crying, no tears. And she was just, it was a very, it wasn't, it wasn't, she didn't even yell. She was, it was just like a very stone faced, you know, look that she gave me. And I said, well, this guy is going to kill me. And she said, at least you'll die getting your education. I have to understand where she came from. Mm -hmm. she, she grew up in Jim Crow, came to Northern segregation. She had a hard life. She taught me the best that she knew. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't, when I went to therapy, not only did I have to go through my trauma, I had to deal with the trauma of my mother, the trauma of my father, generational the, the, gen, the generation, but particularly black generational trauma. Mm -hmm. And so you must appreciate and put in context the trauma that was passed on to you. That trauma, that moment when she said, you'll die getting your education, that was all she knew. And so 
I, since that time, I would say for at least 15 or 20 years after that moment when I went home crying to my mother, at least a good, I would say about, you know, say about a good 20 years passed before I shed another tear. So yeah. we have to unlearn it. Yeah. And I'm still doing it. Okay, so uh, in your piece that you wrote for The Root, it, you were advocating for more black men particularly mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to do yoga because mm-hmm. uh, you see an advantage for it. So mm-hmm. do you have any advice for someone who uh, isn't really considering it? What would you say to someone uh, when you're encouraging them to try yoga for the first time? What does yoga do for that trauma? So I talk about black male hypermasculinity because I think as black men, we, if you're a black person in this country, period, cisgender, trans, gender nonconforming, if you're a black person in this country, you're, you're automatically have so many disadvantages against you because you're black, right? But I think as a black men, I believe that there are so many traumas that we carry with us. And unfortunately, black men, we tend to unchecked. Too many of us mm-hmm. can take out that, that unchecked trauma on women in our community. I think, you know, to our, to our families. And we, because we, none of us, regardless of what gender you are, this country does not teach us or we're not really taught that, hey, by default of being in America, every black person needs to go to a therapist. Anybody who's not white needs to go to a therapist. Yeah. Even white people, this country is screwed in many respects. And so, but but particularly- and Therapy to, is another thing that's stigmatized. And stigmatized. And so basically, as it goes to yoga, I think it's a very helpful practice mm-hmm. through which we can disentangle ourselves from these things that black men are supposed to be. And I think that there is a hyper awareness that because we're black men, there's so many things, like if we don't have our masculinity, like what else do we have? My encouragement is when you're ready and you're open to going through that process, exploring yourself, you know, without judgment, Mm -hmm. then Many yoga spaces provide that space for you. And it's something you can do without worrying, oh, somebody's looking at me or what have you, because everyone's journey is specific and it's to themselves. Yeah. But That's true. I want people, but but from my standpoint, I want people to know that the hyper the hyper black male masculinity that tells me that my life is limited to toxic beliefs of what I think a man should be. Mm-hmm. I dealt with much of that during therapy and just throughout my life. But the thing about yoga is that it physically, like for the first time, I physically Mm. dealt with it. Because weight, you know, pumping iron, like you don't get it like that. But yoga, like the way you move your body, I felt like that was just another layer that of a mask, you know, of, of wrong masculinity that I stripped away. And so I have a physical freedom, and I want more people you know, to experience the same. 
I'm actually looking up places to do yoga now, though I'm not so interested in the physical benefits. I mostly just want to keep confronting that mental block that kept me from trying it in the first place. After bending down and stretching my body like it's never been stretched, I'm realizing how much I've been holding myself back. I really liked yoga. Just that first session on its own was able to smooth out strains in my body and helped relax my mind. The hardest part was just showing up. I've kept myself from going my entire life and that's really frustrating. I'm learning that that fact was all it took to shatter that idea and get me browsing yoga studios near me in Newark. Turns out, there's a lot. I wonder what else I've been keeping myself from experiencing. Here at Man Up, we love getting emails and voicemails, and we'd love to hear from you too. Got thoughts on this week's episode, or maybe got an idea on what to talk about next? Leave a message at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MAN-UP-07, or email us at manup at slate.com. If you like this week's episode, consider supporting The Kid and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Not only do we appreciate it, but it helps other people find the show. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. Our producers are Danielle Hewitt and Cameron Drews. We had help this week from Jessamine Molly. Our executive producers are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts. And TJ Raphael is the senior producer of Slate Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Man Up.